بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم ریڈیو رمضان 87.7 ایف ایم پروگرام ریفلیکشنز آئی ایم یور ہوسٹ زبیر اکرم اینڈ ود می آئی ہیو مائی گیسٹ شیخ رضوان السلام علیکم شیخ علیکم السلام و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ وی ار ہوپنگ انشاءاللہ ود دس ٹیکنالوجی دیٹ وی ہیو ایوری تھنگ از ان ون پیس اینڈ وی ار گیو اس اے فیڈ بیک پیپل ہو آر آن دس پروگرام آئی تھنک وی آر آن فیس بک لائف ٹو ڈے آئی ایم ٹولڈ اینڈ آلسو وی آر آن ویب سائٹ آف آئی سلیبس ویب سائٹ وی آر آن ایف ایم ایٹی سیون پوائنٹ سیون ایف ایم ٹی اے بی آر آر تھری سکس فائیو narrating around what five different stories mm-hmm. five different themes in surah kahf mm-hmm. the reason i asked i requested you to have this surah in my mind it was probably slightly different from what you had in your mind mm-hmm. and that is uh, the story of khizr alayhi salam okay um that that was my reason okay. in my head it was the most relevant part mm-hmm. why uh, not understanding the fate not understanding fully why the events are happening mm. um and things happen on surface in a different way mm. than what we interpret as humans mm. and for me this was the most important part but you pointed out different other themes which is uh, yeah i think um, which are also relevant yeah bismillah rahman rahim i think the the issue of choosing which chapter to to study every year is is obviously subjective so there's 114 chapters of quran each of them especially in their own way and um you can choose anyone and we, and I spoke about this the, f- the beginning of this you know Ramadan any any one of them you can make as relevant as the other because each of them is immediately relevant even though you would say well this is more relevant this is less relevant uh surah al-kahf um when you suggested surah al-kahf I know you've started to discuss the fact that the personality of um this person that comes out in the chapter who takes Musa um, Musa through a journey of learning a journey of um, humbling him a journey of self-discovery for the Prophet Musa um, you know he's sent to better and elevate the status of the Prophet Musa from where the status of the Prophet Musa at that time was and so the purpose was partly from the perspective of the person in this discussion which is the prophet musa alayhi salatu wasalam i think you could say for him it was a, it was a learning curve it was an experience to better himself and 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 so from the subjective perspective of the prophet the khidr the, the appearance of khidr alayhi salatu wasalam as we know has a very special um function which is important which is self discovery which is the the teaching by allah to musa of humility 
um, it is to understand that there is um, sometimes beyond what we uh, see, there are hidden forces at play which are uh, which need to develop, which need to I think manifest themselves, which needs to need to appear. And so that for the Prophet Musa was the most important learning perspective of this. When we look at ourselves, we're being told about the, the story of the Prophet Musa and, and, and um, Khidr. We're being told about the story of Surat Al-Kahf. We're being told, in fact, more correctly, the stories within the episodes that make up are very unique. Remember, Surat Al-Kahf lies in the sequencing of the Qur'an in the Uthmanic Codex. It, it lies right in the middle of the Qur'an itself. You know, scholars have always also talked about what's the purpose of it being central in its in the structure of the Qur'an itself. So from Fatiha to An-Nas, in the middle you have um, Surah Al-Kahf, and in the middle of Surah Al-Kahf you have the, the, the verse, فَلْيَتَلَطَّفْ And so be gentle, and so be considerate. So that seems to be like at the center of the message of Surah Al-Kahf is this word, فَلْيَتَلَطَّفْ mm. And so... Scholars have always wondered about the function of all these things, and so I think what your your interest was in was sort of, uh, sort of was the, the, the appearance of Khidr, yeah, and the mysterious figure. And I don't know if that's it was part you wanted to know what the mysterious figure was, or what was it his function in terms of what he's doing? Is that what the issue? Yeah, was? the the, the function the, the the mystery of uh, what he did. Mm-hmm. And how it was interpreted. Mm-hmm. Musa Islam never understood mm-hmm. what was done. He always questioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and even a prophet couldn't understand why such a heinous act is uh, kind of carried out. Something right. Apparently, it's something which is quite dramatic, quite painful. Uh-huh. But it has a reason. And yes. he was asked not to ask, not to question. Yes, and not yet, to ask, not to question. Yeah. So... There's part of what I've said is to elevate the Prophet Musa to teach him humility, but also to teach him wisdom. But then, when we're reading it centuries later, the Quran has has placed this, been placed in a specific with a specific structure in the middle of it, Surat Al-Kahf. So when we're reading it, we're having a different perspective from the protagonist, which is the Prophet Musa and Khidr. Mm-hmm. In the story, the experience of them is different because the real experience. Imagine being there, you know, watching that experience unfold: the killing of the young child the damaging of the ship, the building yeah. of the wall, you would experience it differently from now as trying to read it and make sense of it for ourselves. Because essentially, um, this is for ourselves to teach us something for our own guidance. Yeah. Um, and so was, what's the first verse? Alhamdulillah, anzala ala abdihi al-kitaba. You know, praise be to Allah, who has revealed upon his servant a book. And has not made any crookedness or diversions within the path. The diversion is to... Within the path. The path of um, learning guidance. Okay. So, so the whole so point is, is this is... To the book. We, we talk about Hudalinnas. Now, the Quran is Hudalinnas, meaning that the, the story, which is a historical story, it has to impact and be of relevance to the people that are listening at this very moment in time. You know, this day, which is Monday, whatever it is, the date, it's the 27th of April. It has to be completely relevant to the people listening. And so, in that perspective, what is Khidr doing that is so fascinating? Um, he is 
uncovering for us the fact that we will never, even if we are prophets, uncover the ultimate divine wisdom of God's creation. The ultimate cause and effect of musabib al-asbab. So Allah, one of the names of Allah, um, in terms of the, the, the composite names, murakkab, not in terms of what's narrated in hadith, but the murakkab is musabib al-asbab, the one that causes the causes. You know, like, you know, um, if you eat something when you break your fast, you're thirsty, and you're hungry, the, the food and the drink has an effect, is a cause that stops you continuing to be hungry and, and, and thirsty. That's a sabab. But what we're talking about, Allah is the musabib al-asbab. He's the one that created the fact that food satiates and takes away hunger. He's the one that created within water the quality that it takes away thirst. So essentially what Khidr is showing is musabib al-asbab, the wisdom of Allah, who is the one that creates the causes, is beyond our reach. And so we should never be in a situation where we can feel and have the audacity to question the ultimate wisdom. Mm. Ultimate wisdom. This is like the ultimate reason why something is happening in creation. And uh, Imam Ghazali had the most perfect explanation of that in his Ahyalu Madin, in which he said that Laysa fil imkani kan. It's not plausible, possible that you could have anything more brilliant. Abda is more innovative than what is now in existence. More innovative. For, for me. For anything, for in creation. This, in, uh, this instance, like imagine you wanted to make a better world than the world is to, there is yeah. today. Yeah. You could easily, I guarantee you could easily start with a 50 ways of making it better. Yeah. Couldn't you? Yeah. I guarantee yeah. people listening would say, if I said, okay, 50 things to make the world a better place. In fact, I'm sure there's a song called Make the World a Better Place. Hmm. Imam Ghazali is doing something very um, start striking here. He's saying it's not possible. You know the 50 things you've mentioned? It's not possible. No, like I've got a very sore hip at this moment in time. And I can say, well, that's one. Go away. He's saying that hip pain is there for a very deep, deep reason. So the pain I feel today is the best thing for me. There's a function to that. There's a function to which that. Which you don't, you will but never... you want to remove that pain. Yeah, sometimes you will know it. And you will say, well, it's, it's caused by certain misdemeanors or whatever it is. Or it could be the fact that um, the pain is there to restrict your movement because if you don't, then it might lead to serious other pains. For example, you know, mm-hmm. so it might be a type of pain that's telling your body to restrict its movement. <clears throat> but the point that's interesting here is he's saying that there's no point that you could come in and change and that would make a more brilliant, more innovative, more perfect universe mm-hmm. than what Allah has already set in motion. Yeah. And if so that means if you take... Well, one could be in pain at one point. Yes. But that has a function to it. Mm-hmm. So th- th- that saying is for the entirety. For the entirety. Not so, for me, for not for the listener. Mm-hmm. In this moment in time, if yes. someone is in pain, mm-hmm. you're meant to remove that pain from yourself. Yes, that's different. So the thing is, what God has created is the most perfect thing. Now then, human beings have volition and choice in which they then have to intervene. So mm-hmm. this is what Imam Ghazali has this master stroke, and which is basically a religion, which is that is there is a test. Mm. He created musabib al asbab. Allah created death and life for what? 
ليبلوكم بلاء in Arabic is test mm-hmm. you know like exam yeah that's the most direct way of of explaining what bala is it's to test something not test like an exam test like test the the patience test the dexterity te- test the the um the ability for a person to withstand something ibtila ayyukum ahsanu amala which of you is the best in action so in this verse you have the free the, the free will and predestination you have predestination which is god has created life and death to test you this is god's forcing a decree upon you and then what you have the other other end, end of the verse is what ayyukum ahsanu amala which of you is the best in acting in other words you need to counter that so god has created it not to say submit lie down be patient grovel you know just mm-hmm. he's saying okay now deal with this ah So which of you is best in action? So you might have one person that will deal with it in one way. That's good action. That's good. Good try. Another person will do it another way. But ayyukum ahsanu amala. And the ahsanu amala will be manifested in paradise. Because based on your actions, your elevation in paradise is based upon your actions. But your entry into paradise is based upon God's mercy. Mm. You know yeah, the yeah, yeah, the thing yeah. of making the you know the jump into getting in, the push in is by God's mercy. Now, once you get into paradise, you need to, you've got a card. You'll have something that will tell you, okay, you need to go up. That that thing will be based mm. upon your actions. In other words, mm. it's as if you know you go to Umrah or Hajj, and you go to the hotel and they give you a card, mm. and then the, you don't know where this room is, what it's going to be like. You just follow and then it takes you wherever it is. Yeah. So usually it's what you paid for. Okay. Isn't it? It's like the, the, the you go to the reception. Imagine somebody gifted you an Umrah. And so you went on yeah. the flight and you got there. And then you got to, you don't know which hotel it was. You got there and then they give you a card. And you don't know what it is. And you, you find out it's like a thousand mm-hmm. stories up. Overlooking the Kaaba. This kind of deluxe penthouse. King Fahad. You know, kind of, you know, king, king suite. That is based upon, that would be based in, 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 in the hereafter, be based upon your actions in paradise or hellfire. But getting into it would be based upon Allah's mercy. So, Surah Al-Kahf is essentially telling us that you, you have the predestination of Allah, the will of Allah and the decree of Allah, and then you have to then re- react to it. And what's interesting is, it's not that the Prophet Musa, because you're asking about the, the story of Musa and Khidr, it's not that the Prophet Musa is wrong, It's that even in his right action, in his true action, in his correct ahsanu amala, which is to say, why are you doing this? Because what would he say otherwise? Like when he did the the hole in the ship, everybody would say, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And that's ahsanu amala, that's the best action. What God is teaching us in Surah Al-Kahf is, you don't have to worry about what's behind the scenes That is leading to everything happening because God is in control. Yeah, but you have to do ahsanu amala. You have to follow the Prophet Musa alayhi salatu so wasalam. So, not so the COVID. No, not the Prophet Khidr. COVID-19. You have to follow yeah. the Prophet Musa and not the and not the Prophet Khidr. So we don't need to. I mean, there's this whole thing of conspiracy theories, and mm-hmm. there, there's there, this is one thread that's going on, right? 
and mm. other there is another aspect of it where uh, we're going to die one day so you might as well so do the conspiracy you theory is what oh someone he did this or this nation did that oh, right, okay so um it was it was um the 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 the, the, the um the virus was released yep from a um from a laboratory from the laboratory to yeah. undermine the US GDP as a chinese virus <laughs> no no so so yeah so so it's a kind of yeah the as, kind of conspiracy um geopolitical um theory about what 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 it is yeah so that is um hidden and it's based upon it's still hidden but it's not outside the realm of what we can understand or what we can end end up finding out or somebody knows about so there, so there is, so say in any conspiracy theory imagine there was a conspiracy theory that turned out to be correct now there was somebody that knew the the theory in the first place but it was hidden but what we're talking about in surah al-kahf is the fact that there's certain things that will not be conspiracy the theories they will be theories of god's wisdom acting in creation that's none of our business hmm. that's none of our business like for example why did god allow the causes that led to the first man first jump of this virus from a, a bat species to a specific type of animal that then then which was then consumed by a specific population that made this jump possible into the human species like that just happened because natural law is like that that's how it happens that's how viruses transmute from one species to another and when they transmute that's when they then obviously that's when they're dangerous mm. and so that is given and that's part and parcel of the way that it works see if somebody created in a, in in a, in a laboratory the, the point is still that somebody's acting and doing things within the realm of the cause cause laws of cause and, and effect so somebody's making it somebody's releasing it the person who's making it releasing it is responsible for their actions do you understand and the person that is is then contracting that is then party to the whole experience of, of illness and perhaps very serious illness perhaps death and then for the family around them there is dealing with the person who is in a deep state of illness or perhaps death and the bereavement and the bereavement is by nature as we know where you can't even visit people so that is all ibtila hmm. he's created life and death the surah al-mulk allah says that he's created life and death to test you to see which of you is best in action So how death comes nobody knows. This is why the I think Mutanabbi says man lam yamut bi sayfin yamut bi ghayrihi ta'addatu al-asbab wal-mawt wahidu. He says that um whoever doesn't die by the sword will die by something else. Hmm. And I think he was speaking to Sayf al-Dawla who he was trying to praise because he's telling him go to war, go to battle, you know, fight the the Mongols and fight the all the all the kind of enemies he had um because if you don't fight, die by the sword you'll die on your bed hmm. the causes of death are many he says well mawtu wahidu but death essentially is one thing like death means the the, the the ruh being expelled from the body but the way you die is different and so essentially we will all die but it's a question of how we approach death and this is one of the i think one of the the great um civilizational questions that i think this society has 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 failed to embrace which is embracing mor- mor- their own mortality and thinking that we will just live forever so creating structures and forums and 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 um dreams that are there to make people live forever and you see this in the most striking way in the public 
personas that this culture has created. The film stars, the rock stars, the personalities, the social media personalities, Instagram influencers. That, that capturing of that image at one specific moment in time, they want to preserve it and keep it in formaldehyde so it's there and preserved for, for eternity. And that, 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 um, that mindset is the mindset of Fir'aun. Hmm. The mindset, not the people, the mindset of living forever, immortality, of even when you die, you know you'll die, but then taking everything with you in your in your in your pyramid. That's all part and parcel of this this um, what I was talking about yesterday. This this dajala, which is to cover over something with something that is superficial, and essentially, I think Surat al-Kahf is, and we talked about this yesterday. The reason why I think Surat al-Kahf is so interesting is because it, it tells you that unless you have prophetic wisdom, you will always live a life in which you're covering over the truth with superficial glitter, which will stop you thinking about the deep things that make you human, which essentially is, is your birth, how you live, and your death. And so death, embracing it, is very important. Interesting you say uh, that about uh, you know, how we die mm. uh, and when we die. Mm. That's another topic, you know the the uh, the, the fixed time, the fixed mm. term that we have. Do mm. we have? Do we not? Mm. And how we die mm. uh, is that is that something written? And also uh, something I, w- I would like to uh, touch upon after this ad break, uh, which is how we you, you said something about this world. Uh, this civilization lives as if. They're here forever, mm. the big structures. Mm. But is it is it not that we are supposed to live like this? But if I, if I am if if I am uh, not mistaken, is it Hazrat Umar's uh, call or is it a hadith where it says even if you hear the final trumpet, you know mm. the final blow, mm-hmm. and you're doing something good. Keep doing it. So that's a pr- prophetic hadith. It's a hadith. That if you find yourself in the, l- in the last hour and you have within your hands a sapling, then you should continue to, 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 um, to plant it. Mm. So that I think that, that, I think that hadith, the Prophet the Sahih hadith, is, is very much related to um, the continuation of action, even in the face of destiny, which is exactly the point I'm making, is... You know, that hadith that you mentioned is, on the one hand, Allah decrees to to the Israfil, the angel Israfil, who the Prophet said, uh, and the Prophet mentioned this, he said, I, I'm looking upon the face of Israfil, and his eyes are piercing, awaiting for the, the, the command of God to blow the trumpet. So, that is the decree, the decree you cannot stop, and, and essentially that is outside our hand. And what the Prophet is, is saying there is that even in the context of, of the decree happening, you have to respond with it with what you're obliged to do, which is still to continue with the good actions. So what is that good action? To continue and even expect that the sapling, and there's such an amazing metaphor that you've kind of reminded me of, the Prophet the metaphor is of utter destruction. In other words, you know what's the 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 the, the, the descriptions of the, in the Quran of this is when the sky is enveloped 
and 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 folded up. Mm. The stars fall from the skies. Yeah, the, the, and and the and the, the, and the, and the sun is effaced. Yes. And, and, and what the, do you the, think? The, the, the mountains are rooted. Yes. So, what do you think of a plant sapling that you put in the, in the ground? You, how will it survive if the st- the stars, the the celestial bodies, are moving from their orbits? How can something that um, fragile survive? Continue doing good. The point is that even requires it to grow. It needs time. Yeah. It needs yeah. water. It needs somebody to come cultivate it, give it whatever it needs. And the problem saying is not the action and what it results in that's important it is the intention with which it is placed within the earth that's important and so it's not just about the result it's about the intention and the and the focus that a person puts into an action at the moment that they do the action which is why you know we were talking about um before the break we're talking about the surah al-kahf about this idea of the the dajjal not being mentioned in surah al-kahf in fact not mentioned in the quran at all but this chapter being the, the means by which you protect yourself from the fitna to Dajjal. And essentially that's because this this chapter should uncover the the glittering nature of where we where we are and it uncovers the reality of what we are, are in. And this is essentially what you know the pre, pre, pre-Islamic Arabs they used to send their ch- newborn children out to the deserts. If they lived in a village or a city like Mecca al-Mukarramah, they would send their children out into the Bedouin encampments. They would send them into the tents of the Bedouins, into the desert. And essentially, you could say that that was because of the fact that, you know, city life, even though if you think about it, no pollution at that point, not, you know, kind of a, a, a mega city in the way that we understand any city or any town nowadays, but still, this idea of being distant from nature, being distant from the reality of things, being distant from how things work, and and being distant from real natural people who live moment to moment. So think if you're in the de- if you're in the, in the desert as a Bedouin, your water is moment to moment. Your milk is, you know, the death of the the, the animal that grants you milk is the death of your milk supply. Mm. So that is a very real type of existence. And also, you're 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 shaded and and sheltered from the the jalic kind of covering of everything with this gold glitter, which a city essentially does. Mm. Because you can the city even at that time Mecca al Mukarramah, you could think no technology, no electricity, but still, you know, the people will be enough to, you know, look at the seerah when you look at the seerah of the Prophet you have the descriptions of Abu Sufyan and Abu Lahab and their their splendor and the gold that they have and, and the parties that they have and all these things. Essentially, you can get totally bemused by that and en- engulfed in that whole way of life to the point that you miss natural existence. Which is why the Prophet was sent, as soon as he was born, he was sent out to by to by his his mother to Halima Sa'diyah, out into the desert, out into a natural state mm. of being. Mm. So that even at the early point of the Prophet's life, he was in this situation where he could appreciate the fragility of life and pre- appreciate real companionship and um, connection with real people based upon day-to-day living. But Sorry, what I wanted to understand, my point of uh, this conversation was that we are no different from the civilization. Mm-hmm. Professor Salam taught us the same thing. Mm-hmm. That when you start planning for things, when you start building for things, mm. 
when you start civilizations, mm-hmm. I mean, Arthurul, for example, yes. you know, he, he thinks of 600 years. Uh, so it, it's like when you start planning for things, you have to plan in a way that you're going to live here forever. As if you're not going to die. Mm-hmm. You don't think of mortality when you are planting seeds, when you are doing things, mm-hmm. when you're building civilizations. That's no different from what this civilization thinks. Okay, and I that's, what that's no different from any civilization. I understand your point. So your point is when you want to build something great, yeah, you build based upon the fact you're not going to die. You're not going to die. If you think the mortality, mm-hmm. you're never mm-hmm. going to do anything good, mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. meaningful, anything mm-hmm. constructive. Mm-hmm. And, and is that not the hadith that you mentioned to me? Because that, that, I mean, I, I think you're say, asking something, but you're giving me the ammunition to respond back to you. Okay. Because you gave me the hadith of the Prophet in which he said, if you find yourself on the day of judgment, um, on the hour, when the hour is being declared with a, with a sapling and a seedling within your hand to yeah. plant it, you should continue to plant it. Yeah. So the point is you... You, even if you know your death is there, you still have to build for a future, which is your legacy, and you have to do that. That's part and parcel of what I was saying. That's why I was saying, God has created life and death, to see which of you is best in action. The best of your action is the one that does an action that, that goes well beyond their own, own life. Mm-hmm. Now that would mean, now you know, we have this idea of charity, sadaqah. Sadaqah is something that you give And Imam Ibn Arabi He says that sadaqah It comes from a root Meaning Which relates to Sidq Which is truthfulness And he says it's related to truthfulness Because it shows how truthful you are In your belief in God Promising you that if you give it today God will give you give it to you in the hereafter In many more In abundance That's Sidq Like you trust God when God says that you will give a small amount that God will give you in the hereafter f- far more, you only do that if you you have sidq in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, and therefore, you know, the, the best sadaqah is the one that will then benefit you after your death. So even our, our idea of sadaqah is one where you do it as a waqf in a way that it, it, it transcends your death. So it continues to produce goodness Civilization and the truth is the the greatest, you know, kind of um, input to your question is Muslim civilization, which was the Awqaf. Yep. Which is great people who lived, who were rich. They built these endowments, which were charities that took care of cats and dogs and and the ill and took care of every single type of need that you could imagine. And it happened. Over centuries, if you look at Turkey, you're mentioning Ertugul. Mm. You know, look at um, in Istanbul, the, 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 all the endowments that were created were far greater than any multinational company today in terms of wealth. But who owned them? Nobody owned them. It's yeah. a completely different understanding of civilization. If you think of it today, wealth um, amalgamation, where is it? In the hands of very few people. Very few, yeah. Corporations. Or governments. Okay. Yes. There's not property of people. Yes, so if you look at um, Egypt, for example, before um, the national uh, Arab nationalism and colonial, the colonial in- encroachment of the British, 80% or more of everything in Egypt was owned by endowment charities. So mm. then, if you're going to say who owns that, you couldn't point to a person. You could only 
point to an idea, which is a civilization, where that wealth is there to be ploughed into people that are needy. And so that type of civilization, which is informed by Surah Al-Kahf, informed by the Qur'an and the Sunnah of the Prophet is one where the civilization perpetuated and built and grew and had amazing architecture and buildings and um, infrastructure. But it wasn't to magnify the individual, it was to magnify the idea of the community. Mm. So you could never say, well, go to that person for, for a loan or something, because the people that were in need were serv- serviced by specific institutions that were there for their benefit. And so the idea is you create, you know, like Ottoman Empire over six centuries. Yes. The lo- longest enduring empire in the history of humanity. Greater even than the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire, you know, cracked into the, the, the Western, the Eastern Roman Empire when Rome was sacked. It moved then to Constantinople. Mm. And when Constantinople was conquered by Sultan Mehmed II, disappeared. There was nothing left of the Roman Empire. The Holy Roman Empire disappeared. The Ottoman Empire, on the other hand, was the longevity was based upon the fact that it, it lived in the meanings of Surat al-Kahf. This idea that you build and you build strength and you build per- perpetuity. And essentially, this the idea of Dhul um, Qarnayn, which is this power and yeah. this authority and this wealth. But it's not restricted to a specific personality. And this is why the Ottoman em- emperors and the Khulafa, they always had a person assigned to them that would rectify them at all moments. Mm, so mm. that would be over them like somebody always to tell them what to do. And because nobody else It, it, it was that. an official position? An official position. So that this person would it's, stand with them. It's not Qadi, them. it's... Um, it's not it, the Sheikh al-Islam, it's not the Qadi, it's somebody who was there to be as the... As a guide, as a mentor? A mentor or... No, no specifically a mentor. The mentor was, was the... Was the the sheikh was a separate position that they had? They always were under the authority of a sheikh, to, in order in, in order to give them spiritual guidance. But they always had somebody in their general presence, mm. just to that they had assigned the power to tell them yeah. if they're going off into something. Yeah, and so, so that so idea self, of self assigned sheikh. I was a sheikh. I was just somebody to, to keep <laughs> them right. Keep them right. So. The, the idea of civilization, therefore, is completely different. It means that even in the in the with the glittering array of what they had, they were still humbled by the fact there was somebody to always remind them. And this is why you see the doors and even the architecture of the private quarters. Sometimes you have they have to bow to get into certain places. Yeah. And essentially, that's because of this idea of hum- being humble, reminding themselves that they have to um, bow at a certain point. Before um, they enter a significant because place. Because of their, the, the requirement for humility, even in a situation where you are essentially, uh, as Muhammad II uh, you know, named himself, Qisar uh, Rom, the Caesar of Rome. So mm. when he conquered Istanbul, he assigned himself the name of the Caesar of Rome, the Emperor okay. of Rome, essentially. Because okay. he saw himself taking that title, which is you know, the greatest title at that time, um, was taking on the reins of the Roman Empire. Such grand maturity is he in mm-hmm. that. It's mm-hmm. like having all those titles, having all those, uh, grabbing all the power, mm. but not letting it go to your head. Mm. It's there for a reason. It's there to actually build a civilization. Yes, yeah, so this is why something very important is, if you take the Ottomans, for example, even at their, at their greatest 
and the most majestic, like say for example, the most majestic point was actually the father of Suleiman the Magnificent. So the Suleimani is a massive mosque um, yeah. um, complex in Istanbul. His father was Yavuz Salim. Yavuz is like the Grim in Arab, in Turkish. He was a person that conquered Egypt. He essentially made, you know, triple the size of the empire. He also conquered. What do you say? Conquered. He he was given um, the 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 keys to Mecca and Medina Nawara. Okay. So he was a person basically expanded it from being a kind of northern um, Syrian, Ottoman, Anatolian, kind of Macedonian kind of um, power base to being basically to, to going to Hejaz. The Muslim world, Hejaz and Egypt. And he, when he conquered and he came back, he came back to the Topkapi, which is the, the seat of the early Ot- uh, Ottoman rulers from the time of Sultan Mehmet II. He sneaked in, he didn't come in with the official fanfare. Because mm-hmm. imagine... Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Egypt, he also conquered the title of being the Khalifa. Because the, the remnants of the Abbasid Khilafah, when it fell from the Mongols, moved to Egypt. And when they conquered Egypt, they were given the power to be called the Khalifa now, not the Sultan. Mm. Sultan is the one that's powerful. The Khalifa is the one that represents the Prophet And so he came back with the title of being the Khalifa. And remind me, of you, the Muslims. Are you, are you were... Not at that time. Ayubis were before that. The Ayubis were well before this. Well before Ayubis this. were um, at this point. They were probably three centuries before this. Yeah, Sultan Ayub, and this is, I mean, Ertugul set a century after the Ayubids. Mm-hmm. Century after the Sultan uh, uh, Salahuddin Ayubi, essentially. Um, so that's all. This, the Crusades have disappeared, and all the rest of it. And so the Abu Salim comes back to Topkapi. He sneaks in and he, he, he doesn't allow the fanfare to take place, which is now he's the Khalifa and he's conquered the Hijaz, all these things. He comes in and, s- and prays Fajr and sleeps and his, his, his personal attendant finds him in the bed. Mm-hmm. And he asks him, he says, why didn't you, you know, you should, you should come the way the people came. He sneaked in through a, a galley, through the Bosphorus, sneaked in through a secret passage. He says... It would not. It would. I require to be humbled, in as much as Allah has elevated me. You know, I require to be humbled in as much as Allah has elevated me. You know, the person who now imagine, you know, it's very similar to where we are now. To be honest, imagine. Look at all the the madness in the Muslim world. Imagine at a certain point, something happened, and you had this pers- this person, who was now given the reins. And was ruling according to a semblance of Islamic, um, you know, kind of teachings. The grandeur that person would feel, and the pride, but also, to be honest, the the type of pride that is detrimental to their spiritual health. This ghurur that now I am the Khalifa. Now, even if they're pious, yeah, it's still a rush of all of this. You know, imagine the YouTube clips and the Instagram feeds about this great person and Facebook and all the rest of it, just bigging this person up. The ego just explodes. Yeah, you can't escape it. This is exactly what uh, Yavu Salim was experiencing at that time. And to do that, humble yourself, is essentially acting upon the, the teaching of the, the tariqah that he followed, the rifai tariqah, which, you know, Sheikh Ahmed rifai he was asked, what is the close, the quickest path to God? And he said, "And qadamaka ala to put your own foot upon your own neck." 
So you mm. can't do that unless you're a gymnast. <laughs> you know, you can imagine flipping over. What he meant was, you have to be humbling yourself. If you humble yourself, he says, that's, a, that's the quickest path to, path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so what you find in the prophetic seerah, if you find in, in, in the teachings that we have, is exactly that thing, which is the humbling happens on the basis of this humility that is self-imposed. Not a humility that is self-deprecating. It's not a humility that is fake. It's a, it's a humility that you enforce upon yourself. And mm. that's what's so interesting. So I don't think, you know, um, our civilization tells us not to build civilization. You know, in the past, our civilization doesn't tell us not to build greatness in civilization. What it does is that greatness is built not for a person, it's built for the sake of doing what is in the Quran talked about as imara, which is to civilize and cultivate and inhabit the earth in a way that is actually going to perpetuate the human memory on earth, but also to magnify the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if you look at the architecture in the Muslim worlds, which created these great civilizations, the Alhambra Palace, or you go to Egypt, Mamluk, Egypt, if you go to the Ottoman Empire, you go to the Mughal Empire, the architecture is all focused on, on raising the name of Allah, on praising Allah, on raising the idea of God, and his beauty. So all architecture is focused on that. All calligraphy is focused on that. all art. Essentially, as you'll know, is focused and channeled towards beautifying the abstract concept of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Reflections on Radio Ramadan, 87.7 FM with uh, Sheikh Rudwan Muhammad. Uh, reflections today, um, iftar is at 8.55. Time just now is 8.32. And as promised, three sections <coughs> of this uh, program that the first one is uh, commentary on surah kahf which we haven't properly started um we have touched upon it we've skirted around it uh, inshallah uh, we hope to start it with ayah by ayah in first half an hour tomorrow inshallah i think i have a complaint against you to lodge against you because okay. you keep taking me off on on um, digressions but, but yeah, if a comment is made. Yeah, so the point, my point was I said that we would do a, a show in which we would do not tafsir, because classical tafsir, the way I do tafsir is different from what the show is. This show is conversational, yeah. with the chapter being what we are discussing in the context of um, whatever situation we're in at the time. So every time we've had a show, we've covered a chapter, but we've made it relevant to day-to-day discussions and you can come in with comments. So we won't be going through verse by verse. I think that for me means I will be stuck in the first verse for a long time. Um, It's more to maybe look at three or four four or five of the main Main themes themes that are coming in this chapter. There's one theme I think which most people will not know what this main theme is. Okay. So I want to to uncover this perhaps perhaps by the the mid of the mid, mid Ramadan. But what I think is important is to touch upon the major events, episodes in this in this chapter, and then see what they're actually saying to this co- this context of where we are, because it does look like um, we, we're being caught up in by nature on what we are doing. Mm. It's like nature is now catching up. Because I was thinking about this today, all day today actually, about 
the human species, the way that species we know through geological studies become extinct is through something that is a blind spot for them. Mm-hmm. Blind. I mean, it's something that you you don't think about. You think of death, traffic, children. Don't go. Don't cross the road. You know what? You what do you tell your children when they cross? Look, look left, look right, right, look right. You know, right, kind yeah. of all that kind of stuff. You yeah. know, look, let, look, um, stop, listen, or whatever it is. And it was everything we have our eyes on as being the means to which our mortality as individuals will happen, and also in terms of um, societies, we try not to, but where it is, there will be something that will come in, will be our blind spot, and that will be essentially, it's essentially what Bill Gates identified about three years ago. He gave a lecture about, you know, the amount of money people and, 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 and um, nation, national governments are putting into defence and um, armaments. He says that and more should be put into developing um, some kind of response to biological issues that will come up in the future. He said, you know, it was clear from our scientific understandings of what's happening is that our destruction will not be through, um, you know, even with the, you have this um, Armageddon clock. I don't know if you know about this Armageddon clock, which is, you know, a, a group of leading scientists set this up in the in the, in the 50s, where Every year they say, how close are we to Armageddon? Mm-hmm. So every year you say, um, I think they start at 12 minutes to or something. You know, 12 o'clock is lights out. And so this was before, this is interesting actually. I just thought of this. Just before this whole COVID thing came, there was a, they, were, they, they came up with the fact that we're basically at the end. Seconds, I think. I can't remember exactly what it was. It was seconds before it. And it was nothing to do with COVID. Mm-hmm. And I would like to speak to them. <laughs> I'd say, can you just please uh, just you know type type this COVID thing in, in terms of GDP, in terms of how human beings are working, how technology has been thrown off, and how fragile our human situation is. Just type that up and just tell me how close we are to Armageddon now. Do you understand? Because yes, it was due to e- ecology. It was due with environment. Mm-hmm. It's due to the fact that we're getting to the point where global war. In fact, yeah. when's the last person any? When's the last time we heard about global warming? Like it, in a prop in the way that we did. When's the last time we heard about Brexit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, it, like it's three years, before. we have been Weetabix, Brexit. I mean, I don't know what's happening. All of a sudden, it be, it shows you that the blind spot of the human being is the one that brings them down. It's the thing that br- brought down Nimrud. The Ba'uda, the, the mosquito, the mosquito bites. Like he's got his armies and his, and his um, you know, kind of garrisons and he's got these walls to protect him. And Allah sends um, essentially a virus to kill him. Allah says that God is not um, ashamed or is not bashful over striking an, an example Mm-hmm. Of a mosquito, or even something even smaller than that, or even higher than that. In other words, whatever will bring a cause into being that will lead to destruction or lead to your elevation, it could be smaller, it could be large. This is easy upon Allah. Allah says, This is easy upon God. So, 
what's interesting about this whole situation I don't know where we got to this discussion where I'm at now it was something I was complaining about you at some point yeah you were you were saying you have a complaint you take lodge. me you take me off in tangents off and track. I've just gone uh, on a, did, did I take you off track now no no I didn't sorry so I think it's my fault so I should <laughs> speak to myself when I get home I will I will review what we've just but said to be honest the interesting thing is it's never off track no no my point is sorry so inshallah what we're going to do is is is, is, is a kind of a journey through Surat Al-Kahf Mm-hmm. You know, almost like a bird's eye view and jumping in and looking and then looking at what the relevance of it is. But I want to bring in the seerah as well, the Prophet which is to do with the masaib and the difficulties. And what we think is difficulties are not always difficulties. And the seerah brings that out in a lived experience where what you think is success is not success and what you think is failure is not failure. You know, like this is an example. It's not always the case. But if you have wisdom, you can see what success is. Yes, success. yes. It's like, you can it's see like success the example success. of um, the, the, the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, yeah. after which Allah says, Inna And you can imagine being a companion going back to Medina, traveling 12 days back on camel or horse, walking. Some had to walk. Something interesting. And they're being told, we have, they're being told the Quran is saying, We have given you the greatest victory. And the back of their head, they're thinking, What victory? Do we miss something? Mm. But essentially, you know, fast forward three years it is the greatest victory because a game of chess, not a game of you know drafts. It was a game of chess where it's very clear that that one move meant that they were now limited in what they could do. But who knows that the person of wisdom, and mm. the person of wisdom was the prophet. So the main theme coming out of this whole uh, program and this whole conversation is that we aren't in control. Mm. There is no control that you have, right? Mm. And actually, uh, one one of our team members here, uh, she phoned yesterday and um, this, uh, she, she said, my six-year-old daughter said, oh, Uncle Zubair and friend are talking. And is God chauvinistic? Mm-hmm. So the, what she picked up yes. on whatever we were saying mm-hmm. is God chauvinistic. Chauvinistic, meaning? Meaning, is he... Does he enjoy so much control? Okay. Okay. And he tests us all the time. Okay. And we are flat on our face. Yes. And then we ask for forgiveness. Yes. And then we have to recognize a test. Okay. So, essentially, that's the question that then you unravel during your life. Mm -hmm. Is. So, is God so engrossed in in testing and the reality is yes mm-hmm. is in control is testing and essentially la yus'alu amma yaf'al wa hum yus'alun the Quran says he will not be asked about what he did but they will be asked in other words we're in a situation where we're asked to play imagine if you take it into to being something that you can imagine is you're, you're, you're put into a room and you're said okay play this game mm-hmm now, the person who's put the game there has, has put it there with the rules, and the rules are there. Play. Yep. You have no choice but to play. So, yes, that's... But then the wisdom of doing that, that's, to, that's, that's Allah and Allah alone that knows the wisdom of, of putting people and creating people where they can experience happiness and sadness. Mm-hmm. Now... If you were to take a, do a thought experience, would it be worthwhile for us not to experience experience emotions? Hmm. So then, you would the only emotion you have is is 
Nothing. Because what is an emotion? It's 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 a it's essentially is the is a contrasting between something you've know, you know and something that you're now experiencing. And as you're gonna have iftar, okay? Mm. So I get guarantee people have in some cities are having iftar. The people in Glasgow are still waiting. Mouse, I mean, my mouth is completely dry now. Mm. And they're looking at the food and thinking, is it going to be better than the day before, or just the same, or slightly better, or slightly worse? Or so your comparison is based upon something that's happened. Yeah. So, so to experience, bus, so you your happiness, hop- yeah, your happiness is be, your whole thing that you like to experience and say, well, why doesn't God just let us be and ah. be happy, happy, happy? Your happiness it, is it, known through something that was. So not. It's, re- it's relative. It's relative. It's not absolute. Yeah. And so this is. Essentially, what we, I mean, we can discuss this later on. It's a big topic, but essentially, the wisdom of it is the only way it could be. This is why, you know, when I, it's off the cuff, I mentioned Imam Ghazali's um, observation that it's not possible to have the creation in a most, more perfect form than it is at this moment in time. Yeah. Because in the context of the, the difficulties and tribulations that you have, you have the opposite push towards people being told, "Ayyukum ahsanu amala, ayyuhum ahsanu amala." Which of them is the best in action? And so those things lead to what you know is essentially the 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 what um, Alvin Plantiga, a, 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 a philosopher, a contemporary philosopher, says, is the 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 bias of free will that you only realize that you have choice, and evil is there. To give you this idea that you have choice. In other words, the evil is there, and the choice is there. Which one do you want? Mm. Do you want God to take away your free will? And every time there's evil, He dis- He makes it disappear. So then, who are you? You're, you you don't exist. And so our life and our experience and living life to the fullest, we only experience with these contrasts. Mm-hmm. You know, sweet and sour. Like even your food, you like to have a bit of a change. In life, people are so happy that they become suicidal so they have in, everything in, in a way quite a unique situation we are in unique generation mm-hmm. experiencing lockdown mm-hmm. uh, worldwide lockdown I mean I was, I was reading it was just the stupidest comment I'm going to make now Greg's is opening back up in the UK yeah and Greg's is like a bakery yeah and people commenting I can't wait to go in and, and taste this 92 pence cheese and onion whatever it is <laughs> something that is people complain about but then that is the Al Jannah. Yes. This is the, the this is the yellow brick road where you, at the end of it you have ultimate happiness. Yeah. So this is where we are. We're on our knees, essentially. Yep. Human beings are on their knees for the things that they're enslaved to, they are now at any price. Mm. Some people are willing to pay way above the odds for the most mundane things now. And so it tells you that the things that you give value to are, you know, essentially subjective and they have no value because they come and go. Yeah, yeah. You know, something that had value in the past now has no value. And this is why the whole idea of musibah, which I was talking about yesterday, which is a musibah is about hitting something with an arrow, is such a fascinating thing that you'll never fully understand until you, even until your death. Musibah, that thing that God is the one that calculates the trajectory of the arrow as it hits you and mm. it never misses the mark in other words if God is going to test you don't think that he tries to, he programs a test and it doesn't work properly 
Imagine like you say, I got away with that. God was trying to test me, but alhamdulillah, I made you know I made the decision, and then what God had planned didn't happen. Na'udhu the thing that God targets to you will happen exactly how He wants it for you to see how you act. Pious or impious? Everybody. The, for the impious, it could be God gives them the most amazing pleasure every single second of their life. So the mm-hmm. musibah for them is God allowing that arrow to leave and it is another aspect to, to you know, like Trump, for example, another reason why he thinks his his hair should be even more fluffy or mm. his face should be even more orange. Mm. You know, gives him even more sense of greatness for himself. But it's to build up to the great fall. Do you understand? Mm. Mm. You know, the greater they are, the, the, the harder they fall, as, yeah, as the yeah. saying goes. And essentially, um, Allah is going to nastadrijuhum. Allah says we will make them trip up. Istidraj is to, to make somebody big and big to the point that they feel that they're big and then trip them. That's the istidraj. And this Allah it's, says, it's, it's we will do it from a way that, from, from a place they never thought about. Like it will come, you know, I was talking about the blind spot. Yeah. The virus was a blind spot. Allah says He will bring this destruction to them from a place they have no cognition of where it came from, no idea of where it came from. Yeah, and this is what's so fascinating with the Quran. These verses that they come and then just, you're just left, because um, the Quran. I've, I mean, I've, I read scriptures, different religions, scriptures a lot. So you, you mm-hmm. kind of, I like to kind of see how um, they deal with time and relevance and things like that. And you do find that almost every scripture that you look at is based upon a historical event, and there's wisdom in it, and it's a kind of um, parable wisdom. Hmm. The Quran is something else. It, it comes and it just hits you in the place you're in because the terms and the verbs that are used are real at this moment in time to us. They're addressing us directly, not of the the, the Good Samaritan or the parable of the of the fish in, in the Old Testament or, and, or and the they New mean Testament. Different things to different people at different times. Yes, we, we experience Quran. Yes. Through our time, through mm. our experience of life. Yes. And this is why I think this show is not a tafsir lesson because that's something else. I think it's just good to go through and revise the Quran based upon a discussion about life. And, and this whole concept of so musibah, this whole concept of uh, affliction, mm. and it has something in it mm. that we need to embrace. Mm. We need no, to no, no, absolutely. I mean, musibah is is um, from God and, and, and we will and shall we discuss this later if you've mentioned it now I'll just definitely remind mm. you remind me next time to look at it. Our greats in other words the people that we, we do look up to, they embraced Musiba. Mm. Not in this self inflagellating, you know, kind of torturing themselves way, but in terms of looking at what's the wisdom behind things that come to them. Mm-hmm. Not in terms of just Looking for musibah, you know, like look and see where the most difficult place to live on the earth is, and the yeah. most difficult um, and most horrid experience to have. No, not at all. Not self-inflicted pain. No, not at all. But when it came, they <coughs> acted to mitigate it, and it was lessen it. Mm-hmm. But they also looked, what is Allah? What is Allah saying in this specific thing that's happening? And then that's how they. You know, that's why you know, Sayyidina Umar said that when any musibah comes, I, I thank Allah that it's not in certain things. It's not in my deen. Mm-hmm. That was the most important thing to him, that the musibah did not afflict his, his relationship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. His wealth, his family, 
power, you know, all these things, he would bear it, but not in his deen. He would thank Allah for that. Essentially, that is, that's a game changer in terms of how we experience life. It also then, on this other hand, it pushes uh, an amazing degree of responsibility upon us to then respond to it based upon the religious duties that we have to, for example, to stand up to oppression, for example, to speak the words of truth in front of those that are oppressing, in, in terms of helping the people that are in, in need, in terms of countering the the spread of, of an illness or the spread of poverty. These are all understood. And that's what's so fascinating about it. As well as understanding and accepting our actual obligation, in other words, what's on our table for God saying do this, is to counter it. Mm. And so in the COVID context, it is to counter it in the most, and I mentioned this yesterday about Taraweeh prayers and all these kind of things which which people think you know should still be done in this context. Your religious tradition very clearly indicates that that is impermissible. Like it just says haram. It is impressi- impermissible. impermissible. Like if, if you know that this action will cause death, harm. Yes. Ha- no, we know the projections are. You know, al ghalib qal yaqeen in legal theory, what is predominant will give the give, give the reason of a certainty. Like we know it. We know that this degree of interaction will lead to definite death at this scale. And that is a significant level of death. It's become something that's impermissible. It's like you're killing somebody. Mm. In fact, in, in a, in a, in a, I mean, this is interesting. If, if, I was, if I was given the status of being a qadi, and a case came to me where people knowingly precipitated something, that would be manslaughter mm. in mm. Islamic law. Mm. Do you understand? So if somebody through neglect is doing that, that would be manslaughter. Because you're causing the death of somebody. So it wouldn't be killing them. It wouldn't be second degree so murder. any form of communal gatherings. Knowing the effect. I mean, that is, I mean it's, it's beyond my un- comprehension how that can be even, um, even admissible to be permissible. Hmm. Do you understand? Like, yeah, yeah. On, you know, that's just something that it always perplexes me. And to be honest, in the COVID context, it has just under, underlined... The need for a revival in Islamic um, studies and, and 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 our connection to the Quran and Sunnah, where something that is now being taught is almost like it's it's been um, suspended from a couple of centuries ago, yeah. almost without any understanding of, of how the world is moving. The context missing now. Complete miss, miss, It's like the, the people living in just the fall of the of the, of the Mughal Empire. Where you need to preserve the family unit and preserve your your worship, but to be uh, to be honest, people, society, the, the the global community is looking for Islam to project its global message, its universal message, mm. and it's not just a pious message. This is what's interesting with the Quran. The Quran came with with as much a message about the religiosity of people as much as it came with the instruction to rectify the public space. Mm, mm. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah. And that rectification of the public space is what everybody wants. Yeah. Time is uh, up for reflections. Uh, please keep us in your du'as while you keep making a du'a for yourself. Uh, inshallah, tomorrow again at 7.30, uh, Sheikh Rizwan with reflections. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.